This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. So guys, I'm going to conclude the Hands and Feet series today. Everybody say, aw. Oh, somebody's shouting. Great, thanks. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Um, we started this Hands and Feet series back at, gosh, I guess it's been almost two months ago, talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus. We started this as an extension of last year. We talked about living inside out. What's inside of us eventually comes out, even if we're trying to hide it. It eventually comes out. But the Bible says that as we live that surrendered life for Jesus, it's no longer us who lives. So we're crucified with him, and he lives through us, right? So as Christians, the primary thing inside of us should be Jesus. That should be what's coming out. His love, his integrity, his compassion, his character, that should be what people see. We've talked about we're to have the heart and the mission of Jesus. What was the heart? What is the heart and the mission, the ministry of Jesus? We know, as Pastor Bob started on the very first week, he started it saying that the heart of Jesus pounds for people. Isn't that his whole life? Isn't that what everything is about? His heart is for people. So these were the goals of Jesus when he lived. It didn't matter about people's background. It didn't matter what they were guilty of. It didn't matter their color. It didn't matter their gender. He loved them. He met their needs, and he made time for them. That's the love of Jesus. And then, of course, he laid down his life. Here's the reality. If we profess Jesus as Lord of our life, then we're witnesses to the good news. And what Jesus did in the earth is what we sign up for when we make Jesus Lord of our life. <laughs> Jesus said that you would know his followers really before they even said a word because of the fruit that comes forth, because they're being that witness. There's things about followers of Jesus that are going to stand out in the world that aren't going to be normal. Things that are good, things that are different, things that are attractive. And these uncommon qualities would get the attention of others. So back a few weeks ago, I gave you a couple things, the witnesses, the signs of a witness. We talked about the signs of a witness, one, they have an uncommon love for others. And I think I've got that for the screen there. John 13, 35 says, by this, all will know you're my disciples if you have what? Love for one another. An uncommon love for others. Number two, an uncommon integrity. I think integrity, the lack thereof, has been one of the most damaging things in the church today. Is people hear Christians talking about this great love and this integrity and this character, but they don't see it so much coming forth from those who are saying it. An uncommon integrity. Number three was an uncommon peace. We know there's not much peace in the world today, and people are desperately searching for it. Conflict and division seem to rule. we got to be people of our word, people whose actions are backed up by the words. And then, oh yes, I don't know how I'm jumping around, sorry. An uncommon peace. Um, everyone seems to be so worked up and angry about the current circumstances in the world, but if we walk in this uncommon peace, people are going to take notice. When we believe that God is in control and we trust him, things are going to be different because we are his body in the earth. So then we're living, we're being this witness of Jesus in the earth. People begin to take notice of our actions, of our words. They're, they're starting to see this. So what's the next step? We know it's not for us to cram Jesus down their throats at that point. It's totally different. And I gave you one of the things that I believe that we should do that was concluded last week was to tell your story of what God's done in your life. How many of you told your story last week? I know there was quite a few. Yeah. And I heard that went pretty well as we split into, into small groups last week and did that. 
Um, we talked about the demon-possessed man that Jesus delivered. He wanted to follow Jesus and come with him. And Jesus said, no, go back home to your friends and family and go tell the story of, of what I've done in your life. We went through and we talked from Acts 22, as Paul told his story, and we talked about six components that should be a part of that story. One, it should be relatable. Two, be transparent. Three, describe meeting Columbus. Four, tell of your repentance and surrender. Five, let them know that you don't have to walk alone. And then number five, mention how God is using you. So last week, that got to be demonstrated. You got to see what that's like. And really, if we take it step by step, this should be easy because people should already be seeing the love of Jesus coming forth from us. They're already going to begin to take notice. They're going to start asking questions. They're going to say, what's different? You can say, well, actually, let me tell you. Let me tell you about my life. And we start to tell our story about what God's done. And then it naturally progresses from there. So you've lived as a witness. People see the difference in your life. The door was open, and you took the opportunity to tell your story. What's the next step? It's time to close the deal, right? Somebody say, close the deal. deal. We're at the point where we present the gospel. We're at the point where we tell of the gospel, and we give them the opportunity to surrender their life to Jesus and make him Lord of their life. And that's what I want to talk about for just a few minutes this morning. And look, I understand just like these other two parts I've talked about, this freaks many Christians out. And I found that generally it's fear-based. Most Christians have never led somebody to Jesus. And I believe many times we fear rejection. I think many times we fear that we won't be able to answer all of their questions. And we're going to look foolish. I think many times we fear that we don't have enough biblical knowledge to lead somebody to Christ. And so I just want to present to you for a few minutes today that this doesn't have to be real hard. It doesn't have to be hard at all. As human beings, we love to complicate things, don't we? How many of you are like that? I know I can totally do it. I can take something totally simple and I can make it so complicated. And it's like, man, you know, you could have just done this right? And accomplish the same thing. But we love to make things complicated and complex sometimes. The gospel presentation doesn't have to be complicated. It's really not. It's really quite easy. And I'm going to take a few minutes and I'm going to give you a few points that you need to hit when presenting the gospel to somebody. Y'all ready for this? Now look, it's going to be very brief. And those of you, how many of you have been through the evangelism equipping class that the Montgomery's do. That's quite a bit of folks. Okay. This is going to be the content from evangelism equipping, from the evangelism explosion course. It's led by our elders, Robert Naper Montgomery. And I personally feel, I personally feel that every believer should go through this training. Because you're going to find yourself at a point, whether you are trying or not, you're going to find yourself at a point where all of a sudden you have this opportunity to speak into somebody's life. How many of you have ever had that opportunity before and you walked away from it? I have. For whatever reason it may be, well, I was just, oh, I'm just busy. Lord, send somebody else. Hallelujah. Yeah. You were the one. Right? I don't want us to be at that place where we don't feel equipped and ready. I mean, I'm, I'm personally asking, if you're a member of Harvest, go through this in the next semester or two. It's very simple. You'll walk away understanding how to simply 
lead somebody in the gospel presentation. Tell them what God has done, why they need to follow him, why they need to surrender their life, and lead them to that place. Um, and really, one of the reasons I want everybody to go through it is because y'all remember the, four, the three pillars I, li- I outlined for the church back in January? Haven't mentioned it enough since. One, we talked about Church of the Harvest would be a place where we build community. And we do that through our gatherings, through our services, through our activities, through our community groups. We build community. Second thing we said was discipleship. Again, we do that through community groups. We do it through Sunday school. We do it through our services. We do it through mentoring, all these other things. The last thing we mentioned was outreach. Reaching out to others with the love of Jesus. I want to see every member of Harvest reaching out to those around them. Guys, I want Church of the Harvest to be more than our name. I want it to be our mission. And it can't just be my mission or Shauna's mission or Pastor Bob and Ellen's mission. It's got to be each of us, all of us. It's got to be our mission together. So to do this, I want to start providing more opportunities for corporate outreach as a church. But firstly, I want to make sure that everybody's prepared and ready because I believe God's about to bring in a harvest and we've got to be ready to receive it. Amen? So, you're one-on-one with somebody. They've seen the difference in you. You've told your story and now it's time to lead them to a place of decision. The materials from our evangelism equipping community group tell you the easiest thing is to start with a question. The question is, so, have you come to a place in your life where you're certain if you died today that you would go straight to heaven? Or would you say that's still something that you're working on in your life? I think that's a great question to pose. You know what most Christians say when they finally get the opportunity? Do you believe in Jesus? And, and the person, 95% of the time, the person's going to be like, Yes, and the Christian's going to say, praise the Lord. And it's over. I have learned not to ask somebody questions that can be ended in yes or no. Don't ask, hey, do you go to church? Hey, do you believe in God? The statistics tell us that most Americans are going to say, yes, yes. And then it's over. Here's the problem. I looked up a couple of studies. Did you know that the studies say over the last 20 years, it's somewhere between 75 and 85% of Americans will call themselves Christians. That sounds great, doesn't it? Here's the problem. Any of you ever heard of Barna Research Group? Barna found in a study just a couple of years ago that 28% of practicing Christians believe that all people in the world pray to the same God or spirit no matter what name they use for it. 28% of practicing Christians. It also said 27% of practicing Christians believe meaning and purpose come from becoming one with all that is. 32% of practicing Christians believe that if you do good, you receive good. And if you do bad, you receive bad. Now, that sounds a little like sowing and reaping in the Bible. No, they're talking about karma. Karma is not biblical. Well, except for sowing and reaping. It's it's a perversion of sowing and reaping, okay? 
23% of practicing Christians believe what is morally right or wrong depends on what you personally believe. So don't ask an open-ended question. Do you believe in Jesus? The devil believes in Jesus. Strongly. (laughs) More than some of us do. He believes. I think Johnny just sent me that message. He just sent me a message from back there at the camera. Even the devil believes. Yes, sir. They sure, he sure does. Many people who claim to be Christian are not. Don't ask an open-ended que- a question that can be ended in yes or no. We want something that requires a deeper answer. So have you come to a place in your life where you know for certain that if you died today, you would go straight to heaven? Or is that still something you're working on in your life? They're going to stop and pause. Uh, you know, that's one thing I've found when you ask people that kind of question. Most even Christians I've seen don't answer that they are totally certain. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I think so. They don't say that they're absolutely certain. The Bible says you can be absolutely certain. So we let them know, according to 1 John 5, 13, that they can be for for certain that they're going to heaven. We take them through that scripture. So I'm going to give you five things, five things you need to effectively communicate the gospel to somebody. And guys, understand, you can do this in five to ten minutes. This doesn't have to take an hour or two. Once you get, you're going to come across some people who... There's been seed after seed after seed planted into their life. And all of a sudden, you're going to come upon them, and they're going to be ready to go right now. You're not going to have to do a lot of convincing and, and, and different things like that because they've heard it. Some of them their whole lives, they've just never received Jesus. We've got to be ready to go. So five things to effectively communicate and present the gospel. Number one, heaven is a free gift. Heaven is a free gift. Now, I know that sounds, that sounds so simple. Most Christians, all y'all in here are going, oh, yes, that's very true. Most Christians still believe in this works mentality so much. They would say that they believe that, but then they're still depending on their works to be in right standing with God. We've got to communicate that heaven is a free gift. It cannot be earned. It cannot be deserved. No matter what you do. Many people think that if they're good enough, they will earn their way into heaven. As you present the gospel to somebody, you'll find that many of them are in this position. We tell them that Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the first component of presenting the gospel is we've got to communicate that heaven is a free gift. The second major thing we've got to communicate is that man is a sinner. Heaven is a free gift, and man is a sinner. Man cannot save himself, no matter what he does. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Isn't that right? And you can look at them and say, especially me. At times, I've been the worst of them all. We can tell them that James 2.10 says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in just one point is guilty of it all. They're going to have to admit in that moment, oh, that includes me, right? If you fail just one time in one way, it doesn't matter how good a person you think you are, just one sin ruins it all. 
I know uh, Mr. Robert likes to talk about the omelet illustration in, in, in the class. Talks about how if you're making an omelet out of five eggs, you've got these four great looking eggs and this one nasty rotten red one, a black, black one. You break them all into the omelet, cook it up. Who's going to be ready to eat that omelet? Not me. That one egg, that was enough, right? One sin ruins it all. So don't worry about trying to be good enough. You can't be. So number two, man is a sinner. Number three, God loves us, but sin can never be excused. God loves us, but sin can never be excused. Guys, we can explain that God is merciful. He doesn't want to punish. It's not a desire in his heart. Oh, I'm going to get that one. It's not the way it is. But because God is love, God is also just. Therefore, sin must be judged. It's not like God has a choice in the matter. If he decided to let one go, he would no longer be God. God is love. God is just. Therefore, sin must be judged. Um, Exodus 3, 7 says that God will by no means clear the guilty. We've already established that we're all guilty, right? So another example they use sometimes, say you steal $100,000 from the bank, but you get caught. There's video evidence that you stole the $100,000. There's eyewitnesses that testify that you've stolen the $100,000. You're toast, right? So you stand before the judge. You get a little tear coming down your eye. And you say, your honor, I'm so sorry I stole that $100,000. I know I shouldn't have done it. I was so wrong. You got your money back. Nobody got hurt. I promise if you let me go, I will never rob another bank again. Has that ever worked for anybody? Is he going to let you go? No, because the basis of who a judge is, a judge is just. He brings forth justice. And God is even more so that way. He has a standard to uphold. If he were to let you go, he would be a flawed, unjust judge, wouldn't he? Sin must be judged. So what was number one? Heaven is a free gift. Number two? Man, sin. Number three? Right. Number four, the good news. Jesus died and rose to pay our penalty for sin. Is this all making sense? Isn't this all easy? Jesus died and rose to pay our penalty of sin. So what are we saying here? That Jesus took our judgment. I was a sinner. I am a sinner. You're a sinner. God has to judge that sin. However, Jesus died on the cross. And that judgment that I deserved, he willingly took. Jesus came to earth. He was fully man and fully God. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin 
and purchase a place in heaven for us, which he offers as a free gift. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for God made the only one who did not know sin, who is that? It's Jesus. God made the only one, the only person who didn't know sin to become sin for us so that we who did not know righteousness, because of our sin, right? Us who did not know righteousness might become the righteousness of God through our union with him. That's pretty clear, isn't it? 2 Peter 2, 24, he himself bore our sins in his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So when Jesus was hanging on that cross and he cried out and said, it is finished, he was declaring that your debt was paid. He was declaring that the demands of judgment on your life were appeased through that sacrifice in that moment. We tell them that Jesus died, but three days later, he rose from the dead. Now he's in heaven preparing a place for you, declaring that those who receive him and repent are innocent and clean. He offers heaven and the family of God as a free gift. All you've got to do is receive it. What was number three? Number four, I'm sorry. Jesus died and rose to pay the penalty for our sin. You've given the gospel presentation, guys. Here's the last point. Number five, faith in Jesus is the only way to God. Faith in Jesus is the only way to God. It's not about mere knowledge. Like I said, even the devil believes in Jesus. So believing in Jesus, that he exists, that he's real, it's not enough. It's more than knowledge. It's more than temporal faith. It's trusting in Jesus alone for eternal life. Now, you guys know as well as I do that today, people hate it when they're told that Jesus is the only way. They say, I watched a video just the other day. Um, I think, where'd Ron go? I think Ron, Ron put it up on Facebook, that Ray Comfort video. Uh, and he's confronting this, he's having this conversation with this atheist, and, and he just said, he said, sir, I believe in heaven and hell. And he goes, oh yeah, you're God that's so loving that he'll send somebody to hell. I hate it when people look at it this way and believe that God is not loving because people will spend an eternity in hell. Here's the reality of things. You are already headed to hell. You've been on the road since the day you were born. You've been walking the path to hell every single day. It was God that comes along and sends Jesus who says, hey, I'm paving another road over here. Follow me. Follow me off the road to hell. And we saw that and we stepped off the road of hell onto the road of life following him. Boy, that's a lot of hatred there, isn't it? It's not God that was sending us. Our sin sent us. Our decisions sent us to hell. God's the one who made the way of escape. But people don't like it because there's not another way. Well, sorry, but I suggest you get on that road, <laughs> right? I'm sorry there's not another path, but here's the right one. Here it is. <laughs> Seems like the most incredible love to me. There was only one possible way. And Jesus paid the ultimate price to make it happen. 
Acts tells us we have to confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts. It's about faith. It's not just about believing in God. Acts 16.31 says, it says, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Saving faith is trusting in Jesus and Jesus alone with your life. Instead of trusting in yourself, you trust in him. And you back it up with your actions by living for him from that day forward. So a couple things in this before we do something different. If they, need, if they recognize that they need to put their faith in Jesus and they're willing to surrender their life now and forever, we explain to them that we have to repent, that we're crucified with Jesus, that he's now going to live through us. Repentance is part of it. It means we turn from our sin and we live in a manner that honors and pleases God. Doesn't mean you're not going to mess up, but you be quick to repent and stay on the road, right? If they're willing to receive this, guys, you got them there. And you lead them in the prayer. This is another place where Christians freak out. Oh, I don't know if I can lead somebody to pray. Guys, this doesn't, it doesn't have to be an eight-minute prayer. It's a position of their heart anyway. You can say something as easy as, Lord, I've sinned against you. I'm ready. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Help me to live for you every day in Jesus' name. You're done. That alone, they can be a follower of Jesus just like that. So in just a few minutes, you can give this presentation and you can lead them in the prayer and close the deal. And here they are, their life changed following Jesus. I'm going to do something different here for just a minute. How many of you enjoyed last week splitting into groups and, and, and telling your story? Did y'all like that? Yeah, quite a bit of people said they did. We're going to do it one more time. But this time, we've got a few people picked out that are going to demonstrate leading somebody to Christ for you in your group. Y'all ready for that? I'm going to ask my wife to come up. We're just going to take a few minutes to do this. But I want you guys to see, as they go through these principles, how easily and quickly you can lead somebody to Jesus through the gospel presentation. She's going to be better at this part than I am. All right. So if those six volunteers that Rob, actually there's 12, but the six that are going to lead people to Christ will stand up at the moment. Robert, Titus, April, Eddie, Sue Ann, and Jerry. All right. So um, here's what I need. Titus, you'll come stand over here next to Miss Kim. Um, Jerry, if you'll go in that back corner. Sue Ann, if you'll come up here next to Lauren. Um, April... If you will head towards the back by Steve Mueller. Um, and then, Eddie, if you'll go to that back corner, and then Robert's right here. So here's what we're going to do, guys. And um, we did this last week. Um, those of you that are not standing, you're just going to observe, so no worries here. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to break up into six groups. And so what I'm going to ask is on this section, the first half to get in a circle with Robert, the back half, get in a group with Eddie, First half here with Sue Ann, back half. That means you can get up, move chairs, put them in a circle. Um, and then um, when I say go, hold on just a second. Um, and then we're going to give y'all probably about five to ten minutes to see what that looks like. Ready, set, go. Here's something else I'm going to say real quick. Um, I'm going to give this mic to, um, to Robert. Uh, and those of you watching on the live stream right now, you're going to be able to hear as he, as he goes through this presentation. All right, let's go ahead and get started. Um, 
Brenda's going to help me out here today, all right? She's uh, she's actually been through our evangelism equipping, and so I'm not going to put her on the spot too bad, but she's going to help me out and get through it, okay? Um, yeah, it's just not going through that thing. Yeah. All right, so, you know, evangelism is basically about building relationships with people, right? And just letting them see the light shine in your life. And uh, I've had numerous people that I work with, they'll come up to me after a couple of weeks of talking to them, just reaching out to them. They'll be like, man, something's just different about you. You know, what is it? And so it's really just, just getting to know people and just loving on them, letting the compassion and uh, your joy of, of it's God's giving you just flow out, right? And so we're going to kind of pick up with uh, after you're building a relationship with somebody and you're talking to them. And just like Rob talked about the two questions, right? Uh, the number one question will be, uh, Brenda, if you came into a, a place in your life where you know for certain that if you were to die today, you'd go to heaven, or is that something you're still working on? Okay, you guess. So most people are either going to say, yes, I know, no, I don't know, or I don't know, right? That's really the only three answers you can give. So once they ask that, you can, you know, you tell them. Well, the Bible actually says we can know for certain. Uh, just like Rob said a few minutes ago, First John five thirteen says, I've written these things to you that you may know for certain that you have eternal life. Um, and so I just I'll open the door and say, hey, do you mind if I just share with you? I came to know for certain that I have eternal life. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. And so I say, if she says yes, I say, before I do that, let me ask you a second question. Okay, if you were to die today and you stood before God and he said, Brenda, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Yeah, All right. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> so most people you talk to, if it goes with, well, because I do this or because I do that, and it's not because I'm relying on what Jesus already done for me, then they need to hear the gospel, okay? And so I always tell them when they answer that, you know, I repeat their question to them because you go to the church. Most times, sometimes, right? Most times it's because people say, well, you know, I do to others as, they, as I want them to do to me, right? The golden rule, right? And so uh, you just, I just reiterate that. And then I say, you know, I thought I had some good news for you, but I got the best news you ever heard. And number one is heaven is a free gift, right? It can't be earned or deserved. Um, there's nothing we can do on our own to get it. It's, it's free. If something's free, that means it's free, right? That's kind of like, and you can use any gift you want to use, but let's say I had a book here, right? All right, The Believer's Authority. Now, if I say, Brent, I'm going to give you this book, what do you got to do to take it? Just take it, right? And it's yours. Now, if you pull money out of your pocket and you try to pay for that, it's no longer what? It's no longer a gift, right? You just got to, you just got to deal on a book, right? <laughs> so, so, <laughs> but for it's a free gift, right? That's what we got to do. We just got to receive it. So there's nothing we can do to earn or deserve it. So it's free. Um, but you know the thing that does separate us. Us from that is our mindset gets in the way a lot of times. Um, you know, being born in the United States, all right, if you go to school, right, you're in kindergarten, you're in first grade, second grade, if you're making good grades, you're going to get what? You're going to get promoted every year, right? So we got this mindset already that, hey, as long as I do good, I'm working, my good outweighs my bad, 
I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get promoted. Well, when you get out of school, what happens? You get a job, right? And so what do you usually get every week or two weeks? You usually get a check, right? Because you're doing your job, right? And so I think that's the way it is. A lot of people is we get this mindset that, hey, as long as my, my good outweighs my bad, I'm all right. God's going to let me into heaven, right? But it's, again, it's a free gift, right? And we that comes even more clearly when we see what the Bible actually says about man. Just like Pastor Rob said earlier, that man is a sinner, right? The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All right, now if you look up in the Greek, the word all actually means all, right? That's everybody. So um, everybody's born into their sin nature. So all have fallen, fallen short of God's glory. Um, but let's say Brenda, right? She's been working really hard, okay? And she gets it down to three sins a day, okay? Now, if you think about how, how so what's some ways you can sin? Thoughts, right? How else? Actions? Our words? What else? The motives of our heart, right? Our thoughts, our actions, our words, our motives. Um, if you got that down to three sins a day, that, I'd say that's, that's pretty good, right? If you think about those four ways. Um, so, you know, me, 44 years old, that kind of be like a thousand sins a day. Say 44,000 sins in my life. Now, now, Brenda, if you go to traffic court with 44,000 speeding tickets, do you think you'll ever drive again? Legally? Legally. No. no. <laughs> The judge probably wouldn't have let you ride on the ride a lot more in the front yard, right? <laughs> All right. So how much more is a holy God, you know, compared to a, a, a judge here on earth? He's not going to let us off, right? Um, and, you know, somewhere in the back of our minds, sometimes we still get this thought, well, maybe, just maybe right, I can still be good Start enough to Start kind of closing the deal in, up right? a little bit. But Jesus said, here it is. If you want to be perfect, you just got to be perfect in heaven as my Father is to get in heaven on your own. Uh, just like Rob said, one sin, you've broken one, you've broken them all. Um, so that, that sin's what separates us. So can you hold my mic for me just a minute? So it's not that God has a problem, but we have a problem, right? So on the one hand, God is loving and doesn't want to punish us, okay? But on the other hand, he's just and holy and has to punish sin. So it's kind of like, can I have my book back a minute? No, you gave it to me. Let me, just, let me see it just a minute. <laughs> so let's just say... This, that's right. So let's say that this book represents my sins. All right, we'll just call it the record book of sins of Robert Montgomery. All right. Um, so let's say my right hand represents me, my left hand represents God. What's in between me and God? My sin, right? Well, a lot of people, especially around the first year, they're like, well, I'm going to turn my life around, right? I'm going to start over. Where's my sin? Still on me, right? Well, I'm going to turn over a new leaf, right? Well, new leaf, same tree, right? Sin's still there, right? Still in between me and God. But, but what God did, he solved the problem in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, John chapter 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what Jesus did, being the Word, he became flesh and dwelt among us and lived a, a perfect, sinless life, okay? And what God the Father did to Jesus on the cross was it said, the Bible says he placed on him the sins, the iniquity of us all. So what Jesus did is he took my sins on the cross. And we know that God received that payment because not only did he die, and he said it is finished. What was he talking about? 
paying for the sins, right? Not only do we know we receive that because three days later Jesus rose from the grave, okay? So, and the Bible says that he actually took our sins and he threw them as far as the east is from the west, right? Now, if we take out going east today, can you ever get east? Or can you just keep going? Keep going. If you're going west, do you ever get west? No, you can hit the Pacific Ocean and get in a boat and still keep going west, right? So that's as far as God separated our sins as far as east from the west. You'll never see them again. He don't remember them again, okay? Now, how we receive this is by faith, okay? We just believe in what Jesus has already done. It's kind of like each one of y'all in these chairs, you came and you just put all your weight, all your trust, you're, you're trusting and you're believing in that chair to hold you up. I didn't see Brenda look at her chair, shake her leg. She just put all her weight and all her hope and trust in it. And that's the same way it is with Jesus, right? We just put all our hope, all our trust, all our faith in him. And so just like Rob said, transfer your trust. You receive him as Savior. You receive him as Lord and you repent of any known sin in your life and be willing to repent of anything he puts further down the road. And so with those four things in mind, is that something you're willing to do today? That's what you ask them. They're either going to say yes, no, or I don't know. They say yes, you lead them into prayer. Uh, they say no, you say, well, can I pray for you? And you just ask God to use everything that, that you shared with them, his word, with his spirit, just to minister to them. And I've had people, as soon as I start praying for them, they say, I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready now. And it's that simple. Um, and that's what he's called us to do. So thank you for your help, Brittany. they finish up back there, the last one. Um, I want to say a couple more things in closing. Guys, after presenting some, there they go. So a couple last things, and you guys can just stay where you're at. Uh, even after telling somebody your story and presenting the gospel to them, look, some people aren't gonna be ready to make the commitment yet, right? It's gonna happen sometimes. You, I want y'all to understand that that's okay. Even if they utterly reject you, they're not really rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus anyway. But I want you to also remember, sometimes we're called just to plant a seed in somebody's life. And the Lord may just use you in a moment just to be another confirmation, just another one to come along to plant another seed and, and to water that thing and whatever else. That's why sometimes you'll come upon somebody and they're just ready because all these seeds have been planted in their life. And so we gotta understand that that's okay. If somebody doesn't, they hear what you have to say, but they don't pray the prayer, it's okay. It may be next week, it may be next month, it may be next year, but the Lord's going to get them. He used you to plant a seed and to get that in there uh, for them. You know, you can, be a, you can be a great salesman, but you can't come up with words good enough to save somebody. Only the Lord can do that. You understand what I'm saying? It's, a, it's actually, it is one of the major works of the Holy Spirit, but God honors you when you do your part. <laughs> And so that's what we've been wanting to say through this whole series is begin to step out and do your part. Love people. Be the hands and feet of Jesus. Be that witness and bring people to him. Um, I also wanted to say when you do lead somebody to Jesus, don't just walk away and count it as another number. Oh, that's 10 this year. They're not a number. They're a child of God. And so when we do that, we're really... That's when everything really just first begins. Jesus didn't tell us to just go get people saved. He said, go make disciples. Getting saved is the first part of that. 
And so with that in mind, what is a disciple? A disciple is someone who adheres to the teachings of another, a follower or a learner. So applied to Jesus, this is somebody who learns from him, to live like him. Someone saved by grace who conforms his or her words or actions to the ways of Jesus. So we've got to understand, once we lead somebody in this prayer, we've got to walk with them. We've got to pour into them. We need to help answer their questions, encourage them, correct them. Sometimes we have to even carry them because they're baby believers in this kingdom now. And that's okay. We've been there. We need to surround them by other believers who are going to do the same. We need to get them into the word, get them into church, teach them how to pray. They're not a number. To disciple and we have to help them grow in the ways of the Lord until they're doing the same. They're making disciples of others. The Bible says we need to get them to the place of being water baptized. You can arrange this with our church. You can, I've known a community groups so who do it in a bathtub. It's all right. We need to get them baptized. One way or the other, we got to walk with these folks and disciple them. It is our responsibility to, the hands, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as a church, as Church of the Harvest, we've got to live up to our name. We must be a church that is of the harvest. It needs to be our mission. The harvest of souls is coming. We need to be ready. We got to begin praying for the Lord to open up doors of opportunity so that we can fulfill the mission that he's called us to. Amen? Let's stand up on our feet. We're going to close out. I know we're running a bit late here. Real quick, let's close our eyes. You, everybody's heard the gospel presentation. If you haven't done it yet, if you haven't received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, with every eye closed, lift up your hand in the air and say, I need to surrender today. I need to make a life change. Is there anybody in this place? Lift up your hand and say, I've got to surrender my life to Jesus today. Anybody else? All right, we're gonna pray this prayer together. You just heard it in the presentation. Pray it and may it all of your heart and God will make all things new. Everybody say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. Even in my sin, even in my rejection of him, he came anyway. He paid the price for my sins. He took my judgment, my sin and my shame, and he calls me clean. Thank you for his blood that was poured out for me. Thank you for his body that was broken for me. Lord, I repent of my sins. I turn from them and I choose to follow you to live in a way that pleases you all the days of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me, empower me to be everything you've called me to be. I will live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. Y'all give the Lord a hand. And we're going to close out. Guys, that's not the end of the Hands and Feet series. The Hands and Feet series continues with you. And we want to hear testimonies. As you're a witness, as people recognize the difference in your life, as you begin to share your story, and as you begin to share the gospel with people, and as people receive and get saved, and as they begin to get discipled, we need to hear those stories. So feel free to tell us, call us, email us, come up to us on Sunday mornings. Tell us of the ways that God is using you to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Amen? We'll continue on later in the year. We're going to talk about it more. We're a church of community, of discipleship, and of outreach. That's who we're going to be. Church of the Harvest isn't going to be our name. It's going to be our mission. Amen? We love you guys. Go be, a, go be a blessing to those around you. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free 
at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.